Hello, everyone, and welcome into a special episode of the Irish NFL show. Today, I am delighted to be joined by a special guest who is Bree Mastis. Bree was born and raised in Denver, has been following the Broncos for her entire life. And this is her second season covering the Broncos as the host of Mile High Sports, the Fan Cave, the radio show, and also Let's Talk Broncos, the podcast. Bree, welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you so much for having me. Like I was telling you, I'm honored, honored to be invited. Well, I am delighted that you took the the opportunity to come in and chat to me about uh, our beloved Broncos, and um, we'll we'll get into that. But I suppose one of the questions that we always ask people who come on is, do you have any Irish heritage? Have you ever been to this little green island? You know, I actually do. My mother's side of the family, specifically her maiden name, um, is of Norse Norse Gaelic origin, um, which I always like to throw at people because uh, I maybe traditionally don't look Irish, but Irish, German, uh, and in Spanish, obviously. And I haven't had the chance or the opportunity, I should say, to be able to visit Ireland. But uh, I think if I did, the first place I would go is probably Ashford Castle, and then um, just obviously the cliffs of because it's just stunningly brilliant. And I think that they would bode well with my very mystical um, idea of what vacation should be. And just the landscape is stunning. Um, The medieval architecture and that castle, I think is 800 years old or even older. And you just get to hang out there. Like that sounds like a fantastic week long getaway to me. So I would love to visit. And I think I'm going to have to work that into my plans. Uh, If Mile High Sports is listening, if they can send me in that general direction i would i would love it yeah no uh definitely make your make your way over uh the places that you mentioned are pretty spectacular but the entirety of the island has a, a whole lot uh to to offer um i suppose like you know you mentioned in your your bio like you've been a fan forever because you were born and raised in in denver um mm-hmm. what were your family also Broncos fans or, or like was it always was it almost predestined that this was the path you were going to, to follow? Were, were there any was there anybody out there trying to pull you in the direction of a, another team or talk to me, I suppose, your your Broncos origin story, Brie? Yeah, absolutely. So my parents had season tickets and they're avid fans of the team. Um, They made trips to both Super Bowls in the 90s. And I think I wouldn't have had a chance to do it any other way, Uh, even if I wanted to, to not be around and just completely engulfed in the sport of football. Even if I tried, um, I remember getting my first jersey, which was probably Terrell Davis, if I remember correctly. And it's all history from there. Um, I fortunately, or depending on your definition at this present point in time, took over the season tickets after Peyton Manning left. And now that I think about it, it might actually be my fault. I might be bad luck. So you might have to edit that part out (laughs) before sharing it. But yeah, I don't think I could have gone any other direction. There was a very dark time. um, And some listeners of Let's Talk Broncos know this, but I was a Patriots fan, a Patriots dynasty fan, because I am a Tom Brady aficionado. So I 
got pulled to the dark side for a little bit, but I'm back. I'm back where I'm supposed to be, where my roots have, have taken hold. And the Denver Broncos will always have my heart first and foremost. Um, although I will tell a couple of jokes here or there about how my dad had to begrudgingly take me to Mile High Stadium with a Brady jersey on. And I'm past that point. I've grown up. Um, and yeah, it would be a little weird now having to sit in my seats and, and rep a different team. I can never fathom it. <laughs> Uh, that's that's an interesting one on the, the Brady, especially given that the, the one team he has a losing record to is the, the Denver Broncos and have been very fortunate on the Irish NFL show to have had the opportunity to to talk to the brilliant, brilliant Wade, Wade Phillips. And one of the guys, Mark, uh, made the comment at one point about the AFC Championship game and about the number of times that the and Mark is a Patriots fan himself, but the number of times the Broncos hit uh, Brady in that, and Mark said, I think it was around, around about twenty, and Wade, without skipping a beat, went twenty-five. Um, and <laughs> clearly, clearly, he he enjoyed that day. So glad that you have you know overcome um that that phase. Uh, you know, maybe some people go through uh, different phases as they're growing up, and you obviously had that. But now you are a, a Broncos fan, and uh, you know, uh, involved in in obviously Mile High Sports uh, with uh, Zach and and Joey and others. In in terms, then look. Let's uh, let's discuss uh, the the elephant in the room that is the the Denver Broncos in 2022. Your your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are talk about managing expectations and learning a lot of hard lessons this season. I think Broncos country has been in such a drought of fanship of fun analysis of the game that there was a, there was a very strong notion that the team being a quarterback away meant that you could change everything and create all of the variables that you did in a new GM, a new coach, a new system, a new quarterback, um, a, a fairly, uh, still tumultuous offensive line and then hope that I've heard the gamut, right? People wanted to go to the Super Bowl this year. They, they, they hard, fast, hard and fast thought that this team was the team to do it. The defense itself, um, thankfully didn't regress because there were some concerns with, you know, not having Vic Fangio in there. Thankfully coach Evero has done a tremendous job with those talent um, and those people in general, they love the coaching staff. They seem to be doing very well, but something's not clicking there. And I'm sure we're going to get into it, but there's a multitude of reasons. And I don't think you can point directly at an issue, but to start this season. And I remember very vividly in March, having this overwhelming feeling of maybe this is the direction they go in that makes it all worth it. That makes the seven years of pain worth it. And unfortunately that did not last more than a, a two week span of time because that Seattle loss, absolutely heartbreaking given the situation, what, what our expectations were for that game. And I think a lot of that was just from the momentum of the excitement. The energy was absolutely palpable. You couldn't get away from any show. I was on plenty of them talking about how this just felt so different. It felt like it couldn't be that bad. And unfortunately it happened to be just that bad. The Broncos being the last offense in the entirety of the NFL is heartbreaking. And then seeing that the defense is just poised to absolutely dominate, it doesn't balance. And it's going to create this very long kind of, how do we get back to the 
regression to the mean. And that's sad considering you would you didn't think you had to wait for Russell Wilson to get to that point. It's just, I think there's a lot of reasons why that is. I think that unfortunately um, there's just too many injuries to count and that's going to play uh, a big role in it. And then also there's just, not enough stability in the roster. We're talking about we're on fifth and sixth strings in some position groups. That's not going to bode well for any offense. I'm not going to try to make excuses though, because if you're not scoring more than 16 points, and now it's if you're not scoring more than 12 points, you're not winning a game and it's, it's not going to cut it. So it's a very vast and quickly change, like changing the pace of what your expectations were. They were really high. I'm gesturing way over my head and we have crashed down back to reality. And that, that hurts a little bit as a fan first, first and foremost, and then covering the team, you almost have to remove that and say, okay, what are we looking at? It's been one heck of a ride. I was not anticipating. No, as as you said, I mean, I think even the national analysts, there were some people who, yeah, it wasn't just fans. Like, I totally understand fans kind of getting carried away to to a degree, but it is the analysts or or those who are supposed to talk maybe a little bit more dispassionately about the Broncos, um, where... I kind of you look back and you think and look I I expected a, a winning season I I had my doubts about the the playoffs but because I I looked at the AFC West and I thought just you know the fact that Andy Reid had so much more experience and look I I was old enough to remember the Josh McDaniels era in Denver and what that looked like um but there I, I, I almost don't want to say nobody, I, although I don't think he thought it would be as bad. But I do want to, and I, I continually try to give credit to Mike Sandel from The Athletic, who from the moment the trade was made said, Denver fans, temper your expectations. Russ hasn't been the same guy for around about 18 months. And he had real concerns about Hackett as well. But I suppose, like for for you, Brie, in terms of you know, um, where where do you, do you, do you apportion you know, in, injuries play a part, obviously. But like, mm-hmm. are are we looking at you know, um, is this more on Russ? Is this on Hackett? Is this on George Payton in terms of not putting? A, a roster that on the offensive side of things that could compete you know you, you've talked to suppose about expectations and certainly again the Broncos offense was talked about being so exciting all these weapons that they were going to have and yes obviously losing Javante uh, in particular and Tim Patrick um, but I'm just wondering where do you uh, apportion blame or do you just think this was circumstances beyond anyone's control I'm going to take the easy route, which is probably going to upset people and say it can be both. I think it can mean a whole lot of things. My expectations coming into the season, and you can ask Joey and Zach if you ever talk to them uh, about it, is I was really not bought in on the Russell Wilson trade. I wanted to be hopeful. Obviously, you want to expect that the team, the ownership are making the the necessary decisions. Um, I think that maybe the trade's not the biggest issue, but the contract sure, sure definitely uh, made waves. And I think it jumped the gun on what the market was going to be for quarterbacks. And I understand it. A lot of general managers in that position would have done it the exact same way. 
where I fall is I was a bit hesitant to buy in, but then after all of the hoopla here in Denver media, I got caught up in that. And so my expectation is that Russell Wilson was supposed to return to form prior to the thumb injury. So we're talking two seasons worth of aging out, uh, loss of mobility. And I don't want to specifically point only to Russell Wilson as the issue. However, he should be able to manage a new system, a new head coach, and a new roster to a certain level. If we're talking about Russell Wilson being a top 10 of all time quarterback or an elite quarterback still playing this game, what he's shown us is, is he's in that bottom half of that portion, if not in the lower third. So I think a lot of emphasis goes there just because he should be able to make something happen and it shouldn't have taken until week 13 to start to see that. So that's where the frustrations are sort of like a, Hey, I told you so I thought that's what we were going to see, but then you get the, the, the torn um, lat muscle and the hamstring issue. And is he still healed healing up from the thumb and then he gets a concussion. So it's like, you can't fairly assess him because of these things. And it's, I don't know if that's going to necessarily make it any better. I'm worried about his mobility still. And then what we've seen from his decision-making, I can't quite parse out whether or not that's play calling or um, uh, uh, getting comfortable with the scheme or maybe not trusting your, your targets because we've seen him on multiple occasions stare right down the middle and just absolutely refuse to throw it. So I think it honestly is a perfect storm. I want it to get better. I don't like the idea of flushing everything away and getting rid of the head coach and getting rid of the quarterback and cutting a bunch of players because i i think that obviously is the the rebuild and the second coming of like we've done seven years of it we're gonna have to probably do three more as they look to see how to rebuild this team but i think there's just a lot wrong i think there's a lot that's not going right and then the injuries are really just a cherry on top you were not expecting your offensive line to go through so many iterations that they were never you know back to pack the same line and then you have uh javante williams getting injured which russell wilson needs that runner running back to be able to be successful in the way he quarterbacks the ball so there's been a lot of what ifs because this entire season has been if the ball would have bounced a different way had the offense only scored when they had the opportunity and didn't fumble the ball. If only there wasn't this turnover, if only the coach would have made this call, if only that timeout was timed a little bit better. And honestly, a lot of the defeats are super close, but at the end of the day, the league is full of very small margins. So if the Broncos can't pull it off, they can't pull it off. It can't come down to the wire every single time. That's, it's kind of where my mentality is and it sounds a little frustrated but I think I am I'm flabbergasted by the results and it just doesn't seem fair with the amount of injuries that seem to keep happening and they're not slowing down it, the Broncos are the most riddled team the the largest amount of cap space on the IR it's or um salary on the IR so it's it's shocking, but I, it, what are you going to do in that case? You just have to play out the year. Does Russell Wilson finish the year? Now that's the question that I'm, I'm most concerned about, because if you're willing to maintain the 250 odd doll, uh, million dollars worth of a contract, you want to risk four more games. There's no playoff potential. Is he really going to gel with the rest of the offense? There's no offense to speak of. So I, I'm very long-winded and I talk really fast, but there's a lot to say about this team, even though it's not necessarily great. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think there's there's a huge number of, of valid points in there. Um, I suppose the the injuries is is definitely a factor, but I go back to 
this is not new for this Broncos franchise because I remember Shelby Harris in December 2019 and Shelby said um, and it, it stuck with me he said I've never been in a situation where I've seen so many people go down at one time and and then fast forward um, to you know to to um, you know t- 2020 and you had yet more injuries then last year um, you had uh, more injuries I mean we played uh, QB hokey cokey for uh, a number of weeks because Teddy got injured and Locke got injured and all sorts um you know like you go back over the past few years and obviously there was Vaughn's major injuries Chubb's injuries Bryce Callahan couldn't stay fit Juwan James um you know the the tight end but um uh, so Flacco we when, when he did come in and want you know that's the reason lock him in because Flacco ultimately went on on IR Andy Janovich, Adam Goth, like it's just years and years. And, and, and it feels like, and you talked about this earlier, it feels like the Broncos kind of are caught in this cycle that they cannot seem to escape from. It's an injury cycle. It's an inability to score points cycle. And it's also when I now look at the head coaches, and, and this will probably bring me on to, to my next question for you. The Broncos have, and you look around the league and the talk, um, among some Broncos, uh, some of Broncos country has been, oh, first time head coaches can't be successful and, you know, you got to give it time. But then Stefanski came into the Browns, took them to the playoffs, Sirianni, Kevin O'Connell, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dable. That's kind of blown that out of the border a little bit. And I, I just look and I go, you know, Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio and Nathaniel Hackett all got off to these terrible starts and, and I just wonder what the process is in terms of hiring head coaches and it's something the Broncos probably need to look at but from your perspective because you said you don't want to see them tear it down does that mean you would leave it in situ and run it back next year just to see how it plays out or, or what way would you approach to, um, you know the tw- going into the off season and, and moving into the 2023 season it seemed, I think I'm just risk adverse. So I think it's going to seem like I'm shying away from uh, a, a tumultuous change again, just because I've seen what it does. A lot of the, what the Broncos organization did prior to, and uh, the, this last season was if it's not working, get rid of it, redraft or trade and and hope that it fixes the issue. It's like flex tape. If you just keep slapping it over, it's going to continue to leak. Although I haven't seen enough out of Hackett to say that he should get the chance at a second year, his clock management, time management, and 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 just ability to game manage has been so frustrating. The fact that they gave play calling duties to Kubiak kind of shows you like I don't know if he has what it takes. A lot of the coaches in other positions, um, as you rattled off a very nice long list of people who I wish for the Denver Broncos head coach, specifically Mike McDaniel, is he's been able to take a not so great situation and completely turn it on its head. When you talk about about a young, uh, offensive-minded players coach. That's kind of what you were expecting out of Hackett. And I think maybe Hackett doesn't have what it takes to really get everyone in line and maybe command that respect, but I don't want to speak for the team. I I get to talk to some of these guys so very infrequently. I would never want to act like I know Hackett 
as he is as a person, but whatever's happening right now isn't working. If he ends up being the scapegoat for what Russell Wilson and himself are unable to do with this Denver Broncos team, then unfortunately it has to be as such. That's really relying on how the owners and Peyton decide they want to go. If they have another coach on their radar, um, I assume Dan Quinn's going to be floating around there quite heavily uh, this off season. But to me, it seems like you're saying if we get rid of Hackett, that fixes all the issues, which is very much in line with this Denver Broncos team is a quarterback away, which we saw very aggressively has not been the case. And you talk about injuries like Bryce Callahan. He's gone and, and, and been able to stay healthy this entire year, and he's doing really, really well. So there's something about, I don't know, do you have a good idea of what's been cursed over on this side of the pond? Because uh, I'd like to know like how we go ahead and rectify that if I need to make a, make a journey somewhere to uh, not even make a sacrifice, just like figure out what's going on here. Because it feels like a a long seated curse of the Broncos making these decisions, maybe almost in anticipation of what's going to happen. And then they end up shooting themselves in the foot. It's, it's super frustrating. Um, and that's a long winded way to say, I really don't know. I don't know if getting rid of Hackett solves the issue, but I think it could get better. I think anybody you're going to look at in the off season um, could probably be a better choice just because I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett has a really good grip on it. At the end of the day, a first-year coach is going to have to figure it out some way or another. If you can tell by the end of the season it's not enough, you have to move on. If he's showing promise, then we need to see that play out next season. We would hope to be able to see the last four games be mostly error-free. Um, we've seen improvement, but it hasn't been enough, just not on my end. So if he ends up leaving, I'll respect the decision, but I also am not uh, carrying around a pitchfork um, to, to make sure that he's not back. Um, I you, you may not have heard, there's a famous curse in Ireland on a, a Gaelic football team, Mayo, and Arif Hassan, who covers the, the Vikings, um, great guy, he actually um, found out about the male curse when he was re researching curses in relation to the Vikings. And the male curse goes all the way back, Brie, to 1951. So this is a curse that has been in place uh, now for 72 years. And, and it was all about the team um, overtaking a funeral procession on their way home from lifting the trophy. Um, and there was a curse put put on them. So I don't know if it, if there's something going on with the Broncos, but um, when you consider everything that has gone wrong, um, I you know I, I wonder what it is. And I suppose uh, I there I don't I think I agree absolutely. I don't think there are easy answers, and I think the blame lay, lies with a number of different areas. But I do look at um, and I I, I um, found this earlier on when I was doing so, some research. The fact that Steve Wilkes, who took over the Panthers, right, who we who were an absolute train wreck under Matt Rule and basically had to clear out um, the entirety of their coaching staff because they wanted to move on entirely from the Matt Rule era. And Steve Wilkes came in on, on the 6th of October. He is now on his third starting QB. The 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 they traded they 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 released Baker Mayfield who was their starter at the beginning of the year and PJ Walker came in now they're on Sam Darnold whom you know nobody had any belief in they traded away their very best player in Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson essentially forced his way out um, and yeah you can question about Robbie Anderson but many people coming into the year considered him one of their top receivers. 
Well, Steve Wilkes has more wins as an interim head coach since October than Nathaniel Hackett has. He also has the same number of wins as Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and it would be quite ironic if he was to end the season with more wins, given that the Cardinals fired him. So I look at that and I see, you know, people are dealing with the situations. And yes, the Broncos have had horrific situations, but obviously the San Francisco 49ers are on their uh, third QB of the season. They have Kyle Shannon. He should be in Denver, but that didn't happen. I... I there, there has been talk, and I don't know how much stock to put in it, but there has been talk that the Broncos may look to run it back um, with Hackett, with Russ, and with Peyton. The idea being, if it is as bad as it has been this year, they're drafting high up next year. They can go and get their QB, but they're having cleaned house. Um, that essentially, if it doesn't work well, George, we gave you two years. You shot your shot on Hackett and on Russ. It's time to move on from all of you. Is is that something that like if if that were to, if they do run it back, how do you win fans around to you're you're a season ticket holder, okay? How do you how do you get fans excited, right? Given say the Broncos end up with four wins, five wins this season, and they decide to run it back, how do you get fans excited about Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, and George Payton going in? to the off season and going into 2023 is is that even possible Bri? You know, it's a really good question because as a longstanding fan who obviously has seen them go through really high highs and really tremendous lows, um, the last time I really felt happy, obviously, was a really long time ago. You know, you're talking about 2015 and there's been some flashes within there. And I don't know if a I don't know if you're going to scare a whole lot of the season ticket holders away or the people who pay to go to one game a a year because this, as much as we like to harp on them, I think Broncos country is so deep and it's so tremendously prideful. And I don't know if people are going to just disappear. They might say they will. And I know there's a lot of idle threats of, well, I just won't participate. And it's like, how could you not? This is the team that you were raised to love, or maybe you fell in love with them at a very early age, or maybe into adulthood because another team of yours had upset you. The Broncos were there for you. And so I think it's, I don't know if you necessarily have to drag uh, the horse to water and force them to drink. I think you, you honestly have to just start looking at where the product is coming from and how do they improve it. And, and it makes me double think or, or, or even question my answer of maybe you don't get rid of it because Zach Seegers has convinced me pretty, pretty well that if you don't do it right now, if you don't just rip the bandaid off, you're delaying the inevitable. Um, and so not moving on and not trying something different and fresh, as you alluded to with the 49ers, they've, th- they've thrown everybody they can under center and they've been uh, not only productive, but they've been winning. And so at what point do you say, okay, we're going to dump this. We're going to try something else. We're going to get rid of Wilson. We're going to try something else. We're going to get rid of Hackett. We're going to try something until it starts to actually click. Um, being risk adverse doesn't make you right. It doesn't make you cautiously optimistic. It just means that you like don't understand wide sweeping changes and how that can be what you need to do. You've made a point that sometimes you have to, and teams have actually benefited benefited from that quite gracefully. So if they move on from Hackett and they're able to get somebody in here who can work with Russ and find the old Russ inside of him, then I'd feel pretty good about changing up the head coaching position. So 
how do we get back excited as we start seeing some winning games and some changes and some players returning from uh, a depleted roster and then the draft. So Peyton's already down there because he doesn't have any picks to make. So it's going to be a little frustrating for a while, but it's hard to say they're in rebuild mode. If they pull that trigger at the end of the season and they decide to move on from a lot of different pieces, then I think they have to consider very heavily of which players are now, um, the ones that get cut or the ones that get traded so that the Denver Broncos have an, 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 an arsenal of picks to be able to go into this draft. So I think there's a lot of like, Oh, we really worked ourselves into a tight corner. Um, There's no one answer to fix this. And we've learned tremendously that this team isn't just one thing away from being competitive, but we also just watched them compete with the chiefs. So it's an anomaly. I don't understand this Denver Broncos team. I am much more confused by this iteration than I have been of anything I've seen over the last seven years. Uh, a, a couple, a couple of the one, I, I just, uh, just as we are recording, there's been a report that Brock Purdy is uh, questionable uh, for Thursday night. So Kyle Shanahan may be on his four choice QB. That would be interesting to see. Um, and to play devil's advocate a little bit on the Chiefs thing, because uh, we were recording uh, earlier for the Dublin to, to Denver podcast. And uh, in in relation to that, um, I, I'm, the Broncos have done this. And, and that's why I, I don't put a huge amount of stock in playing the Chiefs close, because we did that back in January. Like back in January, it was a four-point game. And I want to talk about Drew Locke using his legs. December 2020, the, the Broncos lose by, by six. In October of 2018, VJ's second year, which would go on to be an unmitigated disaster. The Broncos played the Chiefs twice that month, October 2018. And, and both occasions, they, they lost by a, a touchdown at most. One, one game was four points. Same in December 20, 2017, it was a field goal. And this, November 2016, I was there for that. I think you're you're saying maybe you're the cause of it and getting the um, those tickets. I was there November 2016. The Broncos roll in. They're seven and three against the seven and three Chiefs. They they're up by eight points late in the game. Give it up and end up ultimately losing um, uh, in in overtime on a, a field goal. And it feels like that was really kind of the beginning of the end. The Broncos really slid in the set, the back end of that season. And it's been kind of going from there. But to me, there are a ton of examples of playing the Chiefs close. And everybody gets excited, including me back then. I'm thinking, OK, we're building. We're going. Oh, no, we're, no, we're not. So. Anyway, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think you you or I are going to solve it, but I am interested, you know, in kind of getting hearing your viewpoint on the the wider league, both in terms of like the the AFC and the NFC. Like, what has what has surprised you uh, in terms of the the league this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think once again, on paper, the results should have been quite different from what we saw. So throughout the entire offseason, you're expecting the AFC West uh, just to be completely dominant. You couldn't turn on a U.S. broadcast without hearing like how big of a juggernaut was about to rain down on the rest of the league. It was going to be Mahomes and Herbert, Wilson and Carr. Uh, offseason moves were on fire, too. I feel like the chaos and the melee surrounding the offseason moves and acquisitions like Wilson snowballed it even more. I think a lot of decisions made by some free agents were like, absolutely, I want to go to the AFC West. I want to be competitive. I want to be on primetime games. And we Getting flexed out of primetime is now where we're at. It is remarkably different. 180 degrees 
degrees. But blockbuster trades aside, you also saw players like Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill leave. Um, number one wide receiver entering and Adams uh, fleeing away from Green Bay as quickly as he could. Uh, and then trying to make something work with Carr. I'm not a big Carr fan, so I didn't have a lot of hope there. Uh, I think Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers uh, made each other who they were in, the, in a very exciting uh, past season. And I, I think we're seeing that, you know, he is still a very tremendously talented wide receiver, but Derek Carr needs to uh, just keep targeting him. So we've seen rivalries uh, become less interesting this season, which I didn't think was possible given uh, the Broncos and Raiders goes back so far. Um, and for a long time, it, it was fun to talk about. And now you've got coach Hackett getting on the podium and, and saying, you know, the past is the past, obviously in reference to the chiefs, but the chiefs Broncos rivalry has been something that fans look forward to the fact that we're not talking about that and leaning into that and, and, and using the idea, idea that Josh McDaniels is now with the Raiders and he he was with the Broncos like you hear it mentioned in broadcast but there's no fire or vigor surrounding the rivalries within the AFC West but you know to everyone's point we thought it was going to be a whole lot more competitive I thought we were going to see some knockout drag out fights and for the Raiders to to sweep the Broncos is a blow to every part of me. Um, and unfortunately, the the injuries, we've already talked about them, that weighted really heavily on the Broncos. The Chargers, though, not in any better shape. They're doing quite poorly in the injury front. Um, and as we all dreaded, the Kansas City Chiefs are obviously sitting atop that throne. Uh, Mahomes, Andy Reid, the entire crew, very top. The ruins of the AFC West are at their feet. And it's frustrating. Um, I think... I don't, I don't know why this actually hurts a little bit more, but I thought interesting football would be back uh, to the tune of way too many games here in my high city and getting to, to, uh, I guess, exacerbate the, the rivalries that were there. I love to hate on the Raiders. I really do not like the chiefs. And now it's just like, well, you know, they beat us and they're going to continue to beat us. And how long is this going to, you know, uh, ring out? Because I, I it's way too many games to the Kansas City Chiefs. And now the Raiders are starting to amass quite a few wins against the Broncos. So in general, the league last year, I thought was really crazy. The league this year, super crazy. The Bills being number one is no surprise to me. The Ravens being uh, atop the, the rankings in the North is surprising to me, but the Titans are where they should be. The Chiefs are where they should be. Um, so on and so forth. I knew the Cardinals weren't going to be very good. So there's like, there's shocking things. And then there's, there's just the NFL, how it shakes out, uh, hangovers for the Rams. I, I could go on and on about the, the entirety of the AFC West and the league and just how I wish the Broncos were in some way in contention, even if it was wild card. My way too early season prediction was 11 and six. I reconvened and thought, you know, nine and eight seems more reasonable. This is not the point that I thought the Denver Broncos were going to be in. Um, my usually optimistic tone has now become a you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you on that. Um, and I, I suppose pretty then uh, moving away from the Broncos, let's, let's leave those in the, the rear view mirror and oh, let's talk about good football. Um, like in terms of the, the MVP race and, and maybe, um, you know, the offensive it can be it can be offensive players of the year or our offensive players you've enjoyed watching. Um, mm. you know, who who is who is your uh, MVP? The 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 it seems to be right now. Now things can change, um, but right now at the 
it seems to be between Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Though I think if the Bengals win out, Joe Burrow could make a late push. But for for you, is it between the those top two? Is there is there someone else? I think the obvious choices, obviously, Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, Allen. And then I have Tua as like my fifth shoe in there. Really hope that it would go in a different direction. I could still be cheering for Tom Brady, but he is having a year. And since we decided we're going to talk about good football, I will leave him out of this conversation. Um, But I'd personally love to see Tua take it. His complete resurgence as an athlete alongside Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins, it's been incredibly exciting to watch because you took a player who was down and out everyone was just saying how terrible he was at being an NFL quarterback and to watch him kind of come of age and figure it out and have such a support system in his new head coach, their relationship one, you couldn't, you couldn't duplicate it. If you tried Mike McDaniel is a different type of personality. He knows exactly how to bring the best out of Tua. Um, and it might be a long shot. Cause I think his current odds are at like 5,000, um, but he's got 22 touchdowns on the season, five interceptions. He's got to finish strong. I think they still have to play like the bills, the Packers, but I truly love to see it. Like we talk about underdog stories or comeback wins. This one would just feel really good. And I don't want to root for Mahomes. Uh, I do like Jalen Hurts. I think he's doing great things out there. I truly love watching Devonta Smith do his thing. Um, I think that they're an exciting duo. And then Josh Allen, if he can remain healthy, I thought the Bills really had a good shot at being the number one team to take it to the Super Bowl. Like they are just odds on favorites. They've been struggling for a really long time. Bill's Mafia is a resilient bunch. Not only are they hardy creatures who uh, spend their time in in the Northeast in just blizzard conditions, I feel like, uh, you know, they're the Yeti of the NFL fanship world. But I, I wish them well, and I'm hoping it'll go to a little bit of a warmer franchise in the Dolphins. Like, it'd be just, I'd just love to see it. It's very far, far-fetched, but they're doing quite well. And if you look where they're ranked, I mean... It could happen. It's not out of sight, out of mind. Joe Burrow, though, he scared us all there to begin the season because I thought he had completely lost his touch, Um, not to mention an offensive line that is truly offensive. Um, I'm glad that they've been able to pick it up and he's been able to get back to where everyone was basically putting him, which is a top 10 quarterback um, with a a lot of talent surrounding him. I do hope Joe Burrow makes it very far into the playoffs. He's really fun to watch. Yeah, no, the, the Bengals are a great deal of fun. And I can totally understand your your reason for, for wanting to to, uh, to to get it. I suppose those are my reasons for, for Hertz, because I think that the same thing. And it, but what's what's interesting in, in both of those cases um is we had Bo Wolf on the show um who covers the Eagles for the Athletic, and he was saying, and, and the Dolphins did the same thing. Both of those teams essentially explored other options, right? They they went out and looked uh, at other QBs um, and they didn't work out. And they probably got really lucky that they didn't work out. So luck can play a huge role. Um, and, and that, you know, I suppose the ability of the head coach uh, in, in Syriati and in Mike McDaniel to put the arm around the shoulder of the QB and to say, hey, I wasn't looking to replace you. That was the, you know, the GM. And like, I, you're my guy and get them playing I think both of those guys have, have done uh, a phenomenal job um, and, and I think for me um, you know th- the coming of age of um, Hertz last year when they rolled into town 
And I, I've always liked Jalen Hurts. I think that the guy, the kid has so much heart. He's a great leader. And I had so many Broncos fans go, Vic Fangio is going to destroy this guy. Watch him. He will wilt. And Vic dared Jalen Hurts to beat him with his arm. And Jalen Hurts went and did it. And uh, I, I have a, you know, I, I, I hope he continues to, to grow. Every interview you hear, he, he's really, really impressive. Um, I suppose then, um, Bri, as, as we, we draw to close, this has been a, a whole host of fun. But for listeners uh, to this podcast, where can they find more of your stuff? Uh, and and what, you know, what, what are your, your plans for uh, kind of the, the off season? Is, is it going to continue at Mile High Sports? Would you still be doing the, the, the same shows? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I Like I said, I kind of fell into this. So as we feel out what my role is here for Mile High Sports, um, I will be just about everywhere. So the fan cave was nice enough to bring me on board for Monday. So I get to do Broncos Country recaps for Mile High Sports Radio on 98.1 FM here in the Mile High City. You can also listen on demand, milehighsports.com. Um, uh, and obviously, Let's Talk Broncos is probably where you'll see my face the most. We do shows Monday. Monday through Saturday during the season. Thursdays are special draft episodes. So as we ramp up to talk about what the Denver Broncos could possibly do with the draft picks that they do have, and maybe some players that they'll miss out on because they don't have the weaponry in order to go get them. Uh, Joey Richards and Frankie Abbott from Let's Talk Broncos will be covering them on Thursdays, but you get me every other day. I'm hosting the show. I'm asking the questions. I'm keeping the guys in line because I get to work with my best, my absolute best friend, Zach Seegers and Joey Richards, both for Let's Talk Broncos. It's Mile High Sports Daily Broncos show. So you can listen to us everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also see us live um, on screen so you can laugh along with us. And then it's a really interesting show. We get you, you get your questions and comments highlighted. So you get to interact live with the show every single day, or you can submit, submit questions to us and we'll highlight them and, and shout you out that way. During the off season, we will drop down to three shows a week. So still going to be coming at you quite frequently and I will continue radio on Mondays. Things are changing just a little bit. So I'll be sure to update everyone on my Twitter, Brie Maestas 303, so that you get to know everything that I'm up to. And if you like the Let's Talk Broncos more than the fan cave, I've got you covered there. But it's been an absolute whirlwind. Like I used to be afraid to even tweet about the team. And now uh, you see me every single day just talking and sometimes I'm unable to stop talking. So thankfully, I don't hate my voice too much. I'm absolutely loving covering the team. And the best part about it is being able to sit down and have conversations with people like you, because you've just made uh, today tremendously fun and I could continue to talk for hours on end. So you'll have to stop me. Well, no, it's been great to, to welcome you on. And look, uh, you can you can tweet with confidence because I think Zach is always uh, likely to draw more ire. Um, but what, what I love and, and listeners to the Irish NFL show will know that I spoke to, to Zach earlier in the season. Um, one of my kind of favorite young writers. I, I love his authenticity. I think that is what speaks to everything. Um, there's no hot takes with Zach. There's nothing that's clickbait. Uh, what, what he writes, what he says is what he genuinely believes. Um, and I, I think in a, in a world um, where there is so much clickbait out there. It is uh, incredibly refreshing. And I just want to kind of wish continued success uh, to you and, and all the crew uh, at My Life Sports. Uh, it has been fun to, to watch you guys grow. Uh, so continued success. And Brie, thank you for taking the time to chat to me today. 
It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. And appreciate the laughs and, and all the great questions because I love talking about this team, even when it's not so fun. Like you can still find really positive things to take away from it. And today is definitely one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta find the laughs where, where you can, uh, given, given the past six years, uh, hopefully maybe we can have you back next year and we might be talking about, uh, the Broncos scoring points, but let's see. I absolutely hope so. That would be tremendous.